This is Zion Hebrew Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself. It is from the book of John in John chapter 17. You can check out all of our sh- archived Shabbat messages at our website, zionhebraicongregation.com. And you can also find my dad's, dad's weekly blog post that he uh, puts up. You can subscribe to those with your email in the little email subscribe box. And at the bottom of the homepage, you can find links to our uh, social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can always subscribe to our podcast to get every single one of our Shabbat messages uh, for whatever platform you like. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, so forth and so on. And our music, as always, is by my buddy Evan Shaw. He's on Instagram, Evan Shaw, at Evan Shaw Music, and his website, evanshawmusic.com. And as always, enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. All right, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. If you want to turn to John, we're going to be in uh, John 17. And we might, we might go through 18. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how. Huh? So, that's where we're going to be. And as you should... I'm sure you all recall, this is uh, kind of a continuing narrative, I suppose. Actually, it's Yeshua, he's praying to God, to his Father. Uh, and um, But it's basically after they had their last, their last Passover Seder. Um, and, uh, and then that starts back in 13, and it goes all the way through here in 17, and then in 18, you have uh, Yeshua when they, uh, he and the disciples are uh, on the Mount of Olives, and the, the priests and Judas come and arrest him and take him away. So, um, and he goes before Pilate. So, I don't know, we'll see if we get into all of that, uh, but... Verse or chapter seventeen is really good because, uh, you know, it's it's probably one of the longest recorded sections of prayer that we have of Yeshua to to his heavenly Father, and it's pretty cool what he's what he's talking to him about because it it, it really is a, a lot about love and about uh, his word and. You know, Yeshua being one with the Father and him wanting uh, his, his declaring of his Father's name and his authority and his word unto his followers and how, you know, they can be one in him and Yeshua one in the Father, that the world may know, you know, that he, Yeshua, was sent by the Father. And so this idea of the love of God and his word and harmony and, and the word that I don't like to use too much, but it, you kind of have to unity uh, in uh, the unity of the Son and the Father and us in Yeshua 
is what declares uh, the truth of God to the world. And so, um, so, we're, so I want to get in, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that um, a little bit because I think, I think so much of, of, you know, we're dealing with baggage of, of 2,000 years of quote-unquote church history, at least me and most of us that are dealing with it, come out of a Christian background. And so we have been taught these through osmosis or directly these ideas of, you know, what love is and, and, and what it's supposed to be and how it comes about and what it's supposed to do in a community setting especially. And I think especially as we head into the end times, we're going to, and if, we're, if indeed we're in the end times, and even if we're not, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, the idea of community is, is, it's a very important thing that we're supposed to have because, not to get on my soapbox too much or preach too much, but I know from myself when I'm honest with myself, because it's actually very hard to be really honest with yourself because nobody wants to be honest with yourself because you don't even really know yourself that well if, if you're honest with yourself. You know, we think we do, but, but then thoughts will arise and where did that come from and what horrible thing that just came out of my mind, you know, or you have a bad dream and you're like, how is that my brain, you know? So, uh, there's a guy I like to listen to, and he's not a believer by any means, but Jordan Peterson, and he talks a lot about how, you know, people think so much better of themselves than they really are. So, where am I going with all this? Oh, being honest with ourselves about in life and, and community and serving God, and how if we're honest with ourselves, you know, we, we, we very easily make time for whatever we really want. But when it comes to the things of God... How often, do, or, or fellow community members, um, or spending time together, or building community, how much effort do we really put into that? And I'm not just pointing the finger out there, it's myself included. But, so this is an issue, I think. It's in my own life, I think it's in, um, it's in the body's li- life, co- co- corporate life, that, that needs to be addressed. And I think, and I'm not sure exactly how to flesh that out, because... Because I think part of the problem is, I wasn't planning on saying any of this. I think part of the problem is, you know, in the first century, you, you lived in small communities and you walked to the synagogue. And so your community was, was a tangible, relational, uh, communal thing uh, overridden by proximity. And it was very real. And you lived and worked and related with these people every day. You went through hardships together, which builds structure and relationship and community. Well, we're very fractured nowadays. One, because of our ease of travel, and so, it, which is good, because at least we can all get together, because we all live distances away, but it makes it that much harder. And so, I think we, you know, we have to put a, a little more effort in, in ways to, you know, build good relationships and community and love for one another because I don't think you build much relationship and love with one another unless you do hard things together, really, because it, that has to be forged. All right, anyways, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Let's get into this and we'll kind of work on, we're, we'll talk about all this as we kind of go through this. So 17, verse 1. Uh, well, let's pray first. Heavenly Father God, I just thank you for your word. I don't, I hope this comes out clearly and, and I hope that you can help me to get all this out clearly and just, but I mean, it's all in your word anyway. I'm not really bringing anything new to the table, but I just pray that you would work through your spirit to, 
teach us what you'd have us to learn today so that we can uh, incrementally work and, and, and implement changes into our own lives to uh, be what we need to be for you, Father, so, uh, and for each other, uh, so that we can be that light and that something that, that, is, that other people want something of because they see, see something desirable, not just a uh, you know, get-out-of-jail-free card, but, but there's something that has meaning. Uh, so, anyways, anyway, I just pray that you would uh, teach us, Father, and you shoot his name of Amen. Okay. Chapter 17, verse 1. Uh, okay. These words spoke Yeshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify the Son, that the Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So you have already in here a whole, a whole lot going on. We're not, I can't, we're not going to cover it all, you know, he, but, but Yeshua, his death and his resurrection is going to glorify the Father because he's fulfilling that which is supposed to happen through him, which was the redemption of Israel, the redemption of his people through the taking away of their sins so that God can dwell with them as a corporate body. And that, and that, that was prophesied from the beginning of the world, and he's going to talk about that. So he's given him power over all flesh that thou should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Um, because, because, I don't know how much of this is going to, because Yeshua in his, if his, through his destiny resurrection and being in him, it's just like Passover. That's how they got out of Egypt. Being in him is what gives you life. And so he lives eternally. We live eternally in him. Uh, three, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Yeshua Messiah, whom thou hast sent. So there we go, black and white, plain and simple. It's very, uh, very clear. You know, Yeshua doesn't stop and give a PowerPoint teaching on this. It just, it, there's, that's a contextual statement wrapped up in the whole rest of the Bible. <laughs> so it's important to understand that. For I have glorified thee on earth, and I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I, that, I think, is a really important thing. He's going to say in here that he's finished the work that he's given him to do. He's declared unto him all that Yeshua has taught, or all that the Father has given unto Yeshua, and he's declared unto his disciples. So I think that's an important thing to understand. We, we have the completeness of the Word of God in, in the Scriptures. I, Yeshua didn't come and forget to tell us something. There wasn't something left out. We don't need any further revelation that's not to say that I, that I don't think that the gifts are still in place and that there's still the gift of prophecy. But all that is is going to re, uh, re, uh, amplify, ex, exemplify or restate. There we go. Thank you. Uh, what the scripture has already said. Because what did the prophets of old do? They basically said, you're wicked. Turn back to God and keep his word. I mean, and sometimes they talked about what was going to happen. And, and in some detail, but all of that even was, was already foretold in the scriptures. If you sin against me, you know, Moses outlined it. A whole lot of bad things are going to happen to you. So, uh, so that's, a, I think, an important thing for us to take in and just keep in the back of our mind that Yeshua came, he declared everything that he needed to declare, he taught everything that he needed to taught, and he did everything he needed to do. There wasn't anything forgotten or left out and further revelation, or we need somebody to come up with some new fancy teaching that we forgot about, you know. He would have explained that. Um, so, anyway. 
5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So there he, he's telling us already that he was with the Father before the world was, and he had the glory of the Father. 6. I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and, and they have kept thy word. So he's going to talk about this idea of I've manifest thy name unto the men, and he's going to say more about this, this name. The idea of the name has the, you know, the name of God, and, and God, in the, especially in the Tanakh, he talks about his name. This is my name, uh, and it has to do with his authority the essence of who and what he is and what he stands for, his word. And so to declare the name of someone unto, uh, the name of God unto someone, and where he says here, I've manifest thy name, it's to explain and teach all things about the Father and the essence of who he, what he is unto them. You know, he's not left anything out. And so I've given them, uh, da, 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 uh, verse, verse 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So they, they understand Yeshua has taught them all that the Father gave him, and so that they can know that uh, he is sent from the Father. 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are mine. All mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. All this is a little bit of a tongue twister, but, <laughs> but it's pretty simple what he's saying here. We're all one, and everything, all the information from the Father is, is in Yeshua and been transferred to the people because when we are born again or adopted into the family of God, we become sons of God. And, and his word, the seed of the word of the God, which is the DNA of everything, that's what the seed is, is, is through all, all those things. And so then what happens is, and what we're going to get into and I want to talk about with love and community, is, is then we all express the same things. And, the, and at the very end, I'm getting way ahead of myself, it's going to say that the world may know that you, I am sent of you. So this is our witness. This is our, our truth. When, when all that the Father has to, is lived out and received by the Son and taught, and then we receive and we walk out and we teach, it shows, it's a cyclical loop. It shows forth the glory of God and declares the truth of God to a fallen world that lives in chaos and doesn't have harmonious information. They, it's, I mean, if you try to follow their line of thought in, in any, you know, world explanation, universe explanation of everything, there's, it, none of it makes sense. It's chaos, right? And uh, nobody agrees. So, and we're going to get into what we need to agree upon so that we can be effectual. Now that doesn't, and, and, and I believe that there's unity in that around core things. And I'm going to use an analogy that maybe you'll, you probably won't be able to relate to, but it works for me, and so I'll try to relay that. Uh, because it doesn't, so that we have unity, but that doesn't mean we agree on everything. That doesn't mean we don't argue and hash out things, but there's, there's fundamental things that we can stand on. Anyway, okay, let's keep going. I got out of myself. So, uh, that they may be one as we are, 12. 
While I was within them in the world, I kept them in thy name. There's that authority. He, he, he kept them in uh, the essence of what God is. He taught them. He showed them. They were immersed in it. Those that thou gavest me I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. So he's, he showed them the truth of the Father, he's revealed to them the name, he's going unto the Father, and he spoke these things. Why? That they can have joy. Because it's not that you're going to be like pixie dust and lollipops. It's, it's a settled contentment, I think, that which we can navigate this life knowing what's to come, knowing that the battle's already won, so to speak, and who we fight for and who we work for, so that they can have joy. 14. Why? I've given them thy word. The world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So he's given us joy. He's given us his word. 15. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them for, from the evil. So, and again, you've heard this verse. It's really popular. Uh, He's not praying and he's not asking us to be taken out of the world. I find that very interesting because, and I think the disciples and many of the early followers of Yeshua, they were expecting him to come, set up the earthly kingdom, kick out the Romans, and establish peace on earth, right? And that's why a lot of the, at least that's what they say, a lot of the Jewish people today don't believe that Yeshua was the Messiah because he didn't reestablish the kingdom. He didn't gather in the exiles. And so that's what they were looking for. But, um, uh, but, but, and so, but I find it interesting that Yeshua and, and God doesn't just rescue his people out of everything and, and automatically, magically put them into fairy tale land. You know, when they went out of Egypt, he didn't just plop them down in, in Israel right away and do everything for them. They, be, they, had to, they had to work real hard. There was a lot of battles. They got attacked. A lot of them were killed. And along the way, he had to purge the rebels. And so he uses trials and tribulations of this world to sharpen and to hone his people, to, to weed out the wheat from the chaff, and so that he gets glory from that. And it keeps his people sharp because what happened when they finally did get into the land? They got fat and lazy and started worshiping idols, you know? And so we need a certain amount of tension and a certain amount of persecution, a certain amount of struggle to work towards what God is trying to accomplish. And eventually it'll be pixie dust and rainbows, you know, when everything is, you know, the, he brings in perfection in, in, in the kingdom. But... That's not the time right now. And so that's what Yeshua's trying to say, and he's, and he's praying to God to give them strength. And so all of that, I believe, and what he's saying here is building up to, again, this idea of he, he's, he's given them his word, he's taught them everything, he's going to send the comforter, uh, which is his word, to teach them all things so that, so that they can work together for a, a common purpose and plan, which is to which will then declare that he is, that Yeshua is sent from the Father, that he is the Messiah and the, and the one to redeem the world from their sins because the world is a fallen place. You know, mankind tends to think that they can ascend, just like the Tower of Babel, and build themselves up and we can reach perfection when we're evolving 
And, and the Bible teaches us that's exactly the opposite, that actually everything is decaying and descending into chaos and getting worse because that's physics, it's entropy. And so the only thing that sustains life on earth and in this universe is the word of God because his words are life. And so that's what we have to rally around as a community. And, and uh, not again, like not that we won't have differences, but uh, we need to forge these relationships through struggle, adversity, things we do together. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get into that. Okay, keep going here. So, I pray not that I should take them out of the world, but that I should keep them from evil. They're not of this world, even I is not of the world. Sanctify them through thy tw- truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify, that means to set apart. It means to make separate. And so, what separates us from everything is God's word. Because he called out a people for his name, his authority, to represent him. That's what we do. We represent him by uh, keeping his word. 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So why did God send Yeshua into the world? To teach his word and to save his people from their sin. Why are then we sent into the world to teach the word of God? And for their sakes, 19. I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So it is that which sanctifies and sets us apart. 20. Neither pray I thee for these alone, but also for them which shall believe on me through their word. So there's going to be believers coming, such as we are, uh, later on, which will believe. That uh, they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So that is, to me, those last 20 through 23 uh, uh, 21 through 23 is kind of the capstone of, I believe, what he's praying for. He's asking for this, this, this unity uh, together. Ba, ba, ba. I wanted to read what we have. Um. <laughs> oh, where was that? The name will find. So this whole, this whole group of, of verses, verse you know, 21 through 3, and then you, you'll see there, as thou hast loved, loved them, as thou hast loved me. Um, thou hast loved me from the foundation of the world. But anyway, so, so you, you, well, we see in here this, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job of explaining this, but this unity... There's a word again, of the Father and Yeshua and his people and the love that binds them together. And, and, and I kind of got thinking, like, why is this word love even used, you know? What is he talking about in his transmission of his word? So, uh, so I believe, so why is mentioned, love mentioned so, so heavily? Be, and again, I think the, this word and these ideas and concepts of love you know, you just need to love one another. I and mean, it's a very emotional thing for, for us in Western culture. Whereas in, in biblical and Hebraic thought and culture, 
verbs, are, they're action. Well, imagine that. And so love is an action thing. And so I think that love is the strongest motivating, mo, love is the strongest motivating factor. It's built through relationship, which is forged by mutual experiences over time. So I think that love is so important because it's the strongest motivating factor. It's built through relationship, which is forged by mutual experiences over time. So you have groups of people, a community, and they have to develop a love for one another. And why we even love Yeshua is because we have an experience with him, with his word, in life, in the things that we do, that forges a relationship through these experiences. And so you, you actually love somebody. It's like, you know, people, all I can think of, you know, people in the military, you know, what, you know, you all get off. I've never been in the military, but, you know, you see the movies, they get off the bus. You don't, nobody knows anybody. No, everybody has crazy different backgrounds, but they go through hard experiences together so that they forge relationships and, uh, or they, they, they build relationships that are forged by the mutual experiences they go through over time. And I think it's got to be the same thing in, in our own communities and congregations. And I think, and this is my own fault, but I think a, a lot of that, we're, fall, we're, we're falling down on the job in a lot of those areas, I think. You know? And we need unity together as people, as community, within the quote-unquote messianic movement, whatever you want to call that, be around core things such as the word of God. doesn't mean that we're going to agree perfectly and we're not going to hash through things, but there's got to be foundational things that we work towards and that will declare God's glory to the people around us and they'll see consistency. You know, otherwise, you know, we're just all fractured like we've always been. And uh, so I think that's a really important, a really important thing and uh, how exactly that fleshes out, I think we, we all just have to take, uh, take stock of our own lives and what we do and try to build those relationships so that uh, we can be as stronger as a community, um, you know, here and corporately as a body. Um, and I think that just happens over time. But, you know, knowing the Word of God is going to be the first step. So... Uh, 24. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, and they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. That's, again, the truth of Yeshua being before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So again, all this, this, this principles of love and declaring unto them his name and declaring it and that he's in them. Um, you know, really important stuff. All right, I guess I don't know how long we've been going for. You need to keep going. 26 minutes. Yeah. 
I think, based on what DC illustration has showed them what unity is and how to recognize disunity. Yeah. Because Judas, who has been with them the whole time, pops up out of nowhere seemingly. Yeah. But Yeshua knew that. Yeah, yeah. So this unity amongst a group of people to show the love to everybody. Yeah, yeah. And in time, this one person that they were intimately connected yeah, to yeah, yeah. reveals himself. <laughs> And now they know what it is to not be one. Well, I was going to use an illustration, which I, yeah. I didn't get to, but I'll, I guess I can use it, use, or explain, use. So, so I do jujitsu, as you might know. It's basically martial arts. You know, you picture karate, whatever you want. It's not karate. But picture some sort of martial arts, anything like that. So, and, and keep in the back of your mind this idea of the community. Not just our little congregation here, but our little congregation here, but also corporately as the body of God. So when you have in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in our, like for instance, our jiu-jitsu gym, there's an underlying base level of respect that just comes with what it is. And all of that is, is kind of structured upon the, the guy in charge, the, the, the leader, Yeshua. He's more powerful than anyone, basically. You know, he's the best one there. That's why you're going there to learn. And, and it's base level understanding of if you really got down to it and you got in a fight, he's going to beat your rear end. Plain and simple. And so there's a underlying respect to that that also just permeates that world, such to the fact that you know, not every gym does this, but a lot of gym are gym. Like when you go on and off the mat uh, or you're late, you bow to the instructor, you know? And, uh, and so there's just an understood baseline that the, the world gets. I think on many levels, but we have thrown so much out and have lost so much. You know, we read in our Bibles, you know, Moses bound to his father-in-law, you know. So a lot of this has been lost and I think we need to really absorb back in and study our scriptures. And so, but, but, so then what? Other students come into this jujitsu gym and they train and they learn and you're unified around this word, right? This oral tradition is because it's what it is that is passed down on how to do jujitsu. There, there are books, but there's, there's really no, there's no one book, but it's an oral, there's, but that's this word that gets transmitted through all these different, and there's different variations, but it's one, one core. And I'm not comparing that to the word of God. We have one pure word of God, but that word gets passed down. And so students come in, right? And you'll always have it's so funny. It's just like a congregation, really. You'll have the core group that's there as much as they can be. And they order their life, if they're really committed and they really want to do it, they, they actually order their life as much as they can around being there on a regular basis. Why? Because the more you're there, the more you learn, and the more you grow. You know, And that looks different for everybody because everybody has different lives. But... but the instructor knows who those people are because he sees that they're honest with themselves. Whereas there's the people who uh, say they want to be there and say they really love it, but they're actually too lazy to get themselves out of bed in the morning on a regular basis to get there. And they talk a lot. And then you have people that come in and they, there's a belt system. Hopefully, I can relay this and, and, and transfer the analogy over well enough. You know, keeping your mind a community. Then there's people who come in, there's a belt system, uh, and they have a pretty high belt. 
But then when they actually come in and they roll, they engage, they talk, they, you know, again, the congregation, and they interact, you realize this guy's not who he says he is because he's misrepresenting himself. Then you'll have other people come in and they will, they'll, uh, they'll not treat other, the other opponents with respect. You know, they'll do things that's just a little dirty. Uh, they won't show enough respect to the uh, instructor. And so what eventually has to happen is the instructor may have to kick that person out because he's actually creating problems. And even though he's got that on the right clothes, he's got the belt, he comes to the class, he has not submitted himself under the authority of that instructor. And so the instructor will physically remove him if he has to, or humble him. Sometimes those people will come in and they have to be broken down a bit on the mats of justice. And then the instructor can do that. You wanna go that way? We can go that way. And so that gets hammered out. And I think if we had a dose of that in, the, in, in our communities as a whole, man, it would be, it'd be so much better. And so what I'm saying is, and like to your point, Dad, the Judases will show their true colors because they will eventually fall out with the group. Uh, there's the ones who say they're really into it, but they, they don't actually you know, back up what they say. And then there's the ones that actually just chug along go in there, doing the instruction, that you can tell that they kind of think about it at home, they apply it, uh, they have a humility, and they, and they just work hard. Then what happens is these students then go to, out to the rest of the world, to other jiu-jitsu schools, and they roll, they, they fight in other jiu-jitsu schools, and they're, they're really little emissaries, they're little apostles, they're little... Uh, representations of that nucleus school to show what's going on there. And so you will know the shepherd by the sheep. You'll know the followers by the shepherd. And so they represent what goes on. And especially when you go to a competition and you fight and you're representing your school, it's a big deal because you're representing your instructor. You're, you're representing that whole lineage that you say you're coming from. And so, likewise, the instructor has to be hard and sometimes brutally honest on his own people because if they're going to go out and fight and do battle on the mats in a competition, it represents him. It's his duty to, to maybe not even allow them to get out there because they're going to represent the school. And if they go out and they're just floundering and terrible, what's that say about them? So I think that's why... You, Yeshua, he didn't make it easy for people to follow him. He didn't sugarcoat things. He transmitted the, the, the word of God, these instructions and these teachings on how to work and live to the next generation so that they could go out and know that, okay, my instructor, my jiu-jitsu instructor, based on my example, is who he says he is. It is actually representative of his instructor. And so that you could actually see that in what I physically do when you watch me roll and compete on the mats. It's the same exact thing in, in Scripture. And so, uh, anyways, yeah, so I think... Right, right. 
Well, and that's it. I mean, an instructor, you know, it, there's, again, there's the whole promotion system of, of uh, promoting people through the levels and giving them different belts. He, it doesn't, the instructor doesn't do anybody any favors by just handing out belts just because, even if you've just been there for an amount of time, just because you show up to every class, doesn't mean that you're actually putting in the effort, paying attention, trying, uh, doing all the warm-ups and the exercises. It's, it's an all-inclusive thing. And I'm so glad I've done this and started this because it's, it's given me a different and better perspective for the Word of God and how these things work. Because, you know, if you're not consistent, if you don't put in the time, if you don't put in the effort, if you're not humble, if you can't learn from, learn properly, uh, it's just not going to go well for you. And, uh, and sometimes the instructor has to, you know, put the hammer down on you sometimes. So... I guess all, all I, I guess that, that which I'm trying to say is, you know, as communities, we need to forge re relationships through mutual hard experiences. Well, that's what I was going to say, too. You know, there's all these guys from different backgrounds that we, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be f friends with if I had just met them on the street, but we're brought together kind of like us through our m mutual love of the Word of God and Jiu-Jitsu, through, through Jiu-Jitsu, and then because of our time and relationships and hard and our pain and we sweat on each other and we fight against each other and we work hard, you build a relationship where, you know, if one of those guys needs something, you know, you're right there. And so we have to start to do that in our own lives, in our own relationships, in our own communities. So there's two things going on. One, yeah, within the one school, the one, the local community, right? So there's, there's multiple jujitsu schools in the area. I go to one jujitsu school and I, and I uh, follow primarily under that, uh, excuse me, under that instructor. He is my instructor. He's the one that promotes me. I can't get promoted by other schools. And so in, with the same with the local communities, you're f supposed to be taught and fed and nourished within your local community. And... Whereas if in a jujitsu school, if I started just going to whatever school all over the place, you're going to be getting somewhat different messages. And then I'm going to be like, well, so-and-so says to do it this way. And so-and-so says to do it this way. And so you get, you can have chaos because of that. But it's a two-way street. I think a lot of the problem we have is because we have, we have lousy leadership is part of the problem. Because a good leader will say, listen, you come to this school and you stay a part of the school and you grow. If you're going to go, you know, if you come here, you're not going to come here and train with me and I might promote you to blue belt, but you're going to some other school as well and he gives you a purple belt and then you, no, that's not how it works. You come here, you stay part of this, you do it to here and you grow. And I think it's the same thing in the community. Like, not that you can't learn things because nowadays it's an interest. Ah, it's so interesting because uh, our, our instructor says, uh, he's, he's uh, Dominican, so he has an accent. He's like, uh, YouTube is not, is not a substitution for time on the mats, you know? And so what do we do in the Messianic movement? We watch tons of YouTube videos. I do it too. I mean, and, and even in jujitsu, I watch YouTube videos. So I'm not saying that you can't, but where does, where does the box stop? And if my instructor says to do a certain move this way, I'm going to do the certain move that way. Because he's the one who's responsible for my growth, right? He's the one who's going to give me the belts. He's the only one that can give me my black belt eventually. It takes years. It takes minimum 10 years to get a black belt in jiu-jitsu. 
And, and so if I all of a sudden switch schools, like say we moved, it's probably going to easily add another five years to get, because why? You have to forge a relationship with that new instructor so he can see who and what you are and what you're about. And he's not going to give you a black belt if you're a scumbag outside the school. And so, man, if we just had a little bit of more of that in our own communities, we'd be doing worlds better. And so, uh, but, but again, you know, it requires good, good instructors and good leaderships. There's some schools where the, the instructors are jerks. And what happens is a lot of those students end up leaving that, that, that shepherd, you know. So if you have a shepherd that's abusing the flock, then it's the, what you never see, interestingly, is you don't ever see an insurrection where the students kick out the instructor. instructor. That never happens. The student, why? And the instructor will kill you, right? And he's, because he's the black belt. He's the best one there, and it's fighting. So it's, it's shown on the mat. The sheep leave. So, and I think it's the same thing applies in the Messianic movement. There's an issue in the congregation. You can go humbly to your instructor, congregation leader, talk to them. Here's an issue. You know, this is what I'm seeing. I might be wrong. Can you help me there? Can you show me? And if there's a legit problem that transgresses strict scripture, then you leave, you know? Um, but I don't go to my school and be like, hey, coach, I watched so-and-so do this move this way, so that's what we should do. And be like, okay, you come show me this move. Well, it's not going to work out like you thought. <laughs> so, so I think, I don't know, hopefully that analogy worked a little bit. But that's where, you know, I, I don't know, it just really stood out to me when I was reading this passage and, and, and this prayer that Yeshua had in his father. He's, he's, he's pleading with the father to to grow his flock and to grow the people and to transmit the message and to continue on what he started because he's going away and they're going to need they're going to need relationships and they're going to need each other and they're going to need the word of God to sustain them for the next 2000 plus years and the conflict and the dispersion that's going to be going on even more so and, and we can't think that there isn't an enemy out there seeking to devour us. He's, he prayed, protect them from the evil one. <sighs> so, um, because in 18, you know, Judas is coming to betray them, you know, and to betray him. So we won't get into 18 because we're already going long enough. But uh, so hopefully that made a little bit of sense and... Uh, <laughs> And was, was a blessing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day and for this word that you've given us. And I just pray that you would continue to uh, grow us as a community as you would see fit. Bring who you would want. Uh, keep out who you don't want. And uh, that we would build relationship and community and love for one another, rallying around your word. And that we would each work together diligently or in our own lives, to strengthen ourselves, to grow, to be what we need to be so we can sharpen our fellow members, uh, to challenge each other, to grow all together on our, our mutual path of, of uh, following your word and being lights to this world, that then others would see our performance and how well we do and then would want to come and train with us. Um, so help us to do that. Help us to be who we need to be. Help me as a leader be who I need to be. And uh, I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Hey.